0: Give a Bible, take and turn to Psalm chapter 92, Psalm chapter 92. Last week we looked at Scripture from Psalm 19, and this week we're just doing a two-week quick little series. This week we're looking at song. Last week was Scripture, this week is song, and then starting next Sunday we're going to do a a fall series through the book of Jude. But Psalm chapter 92, Psalm 92. Who says, "This It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and the harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord! Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the oil of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of it and the help of it. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you just encourage us with it this morning, that you'd guide us, that you encourage us as a church, that we would sing and praise you. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Someone wrote that the, the Christian church was born in a song the christian church was born in a song christianity is a singing faith it's actually the only faith that sings Uh, a few about a year ago we had someone who visited the church they grew up in church they hadn't been in church in a long time someone invited them they came to the service um, and and afterwards the person that invited them asked them so so what would you think and their response was i forgot how much singing there is in church that's a good thing christians are to be a singing people it's it's good it says it's good to give thanks to the lord to sing praises to your name almost high so here's the question for the morning for us last week we looked at scripture and this week sing for cornerstone the question is what do you need to know about singing in a church with presently limited upfront resources What do we need to know as a church for in our very specific context of singing in a church when presently we don't have a worship person live up front every week. So what do we need to know? What are we just going to stop singing? What are we going to do? What do we need to know as a church? And so first of all, I just would like to say, and I've said this for years, that I appreciate and the elders appreciate as a church your resilience in this church. If you, if the resilience of all the different ways through the years that we've had different worship leaders, different worship experiences. Um, and, and I'm also appreciative that you've You've relatively kept the grumbling to yourself, uh, relatively speaking. It's not always something I have to hear about uh, over these years. And so I've appreciated that. Really practical this morning from Psalm 92. But what do we need to know? First of all, I would just say this as introduction. We're not alone in this. We're we're, we're not alone in this need. You look at all kinds of church websites, all kinds of church, um, which I see, job applications, uh, different churches. Everybody's looking, many churches are looking for worship pastors and so we're not alone we're not unusual in this day and age many people are using videos to help you sing on Sundays and we're not alone we're not unusual um, and, and it, it's while we wait while we wait for God to bring that person which we're praying for while we wait it it doesn't have to be a negative it doesn't have to be a negative and not singing and it's also not a sign. It's not a sign that, that we as a church see singing together is not a necessity. It's very much, it very much a necessity. And Psalms speaks about why is it a necessity? Why is it should be significant to us? The Bible says we, we are commanded to sing together. We're commanded in Scripture. In Colossians, we're called to sing together. In Ephesians, we're called to sing together. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing, make melody in your heart to the Lord. It's a command. We also sing because Jesus sang together with the people of God. The perfect human, the God-man, he, he got together in his life, and he would gather and he would sing with the people of God. Jesus did this. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we need to sing. And we also do it because large portions of scriptures is songs. When the Bible gave us the book of Psalms, which is actually a collection of five books, and they're all mainly Psalms, songs that the church has sung. We, we, they sing them, and they've sung them, and, and they, they sing them with every life experience. That's what's so beautiful about the Psalms. One of the greatest joys of the Wednesday night midweek services for almost 10 years now, we've gone through a psalm, and it experiences every emotion that a person can have, and it's sung it's sung and so this morning from psalm 92 we need to I want us to see that your singing is significant your singing strengthens faith singing can be silenced and your singing is a spiritual service we need to see that you're singing, is significant. And this psalm, it says at the beginning, if you look, on, if you have a Bible open, or maybe even on your phone, it says, Psalm 92, a, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath. When you see those inscriptions in Scripture on the psalms, they have been there from almost the beginning, that they had different reasons why they would sing these psalms, that they're songs of sense. And this is the only one that says it's a psalm, a song for the Sabbath, which was to be sung... When they, on, the, on the day of rest, when people would gather and get t- together, it's a song for the Sabbath. There, there's a lot of talk these days, in the last number of years, about what's the Sabbath. Everybody's looking for the Sabbath, this need of rest. And, and what does that mean? How does that how does that work out from Sabbath, which was the Jewish day, to when the church gathered, they they gathered and worshipped on the first day of the week, which is the time of Jesus' resurrection, as a celebration of that. And they just kind of carried that over this, this Lord's Day idea of, of, of gathering. And there's a lot of talk about Sabbath, and people are always looking for Sabbath, and we're such a busy world, everybody's looking for rest. And if we're not careful, we will miss what God intended with the Old Testament Sabbath, and even for what Christians have intended for years, with the gathering of worship together on the first day of the week. Sabbath rest in the Old Testament was always a Sabbath rest of resting to glorify God, not just a break. It was a gathering to worship. James Montgomery Boyce, on this point, he just says, when he was talking about this, he wrote, he, he How do you approach Sunday? Do you think of it as a day in which you have to go to church? But the duties of which you try to get over as soon as possible, so you can spend the rest of the time with your family or get on to the other more enjoyable things? Or do you think of it as a precious day given to you by God in which you can learn about him and so praise him? Is Sunday a trial or a treat? Is it a delight or a deadly duty? Psalm 92, a psalm for the Sabbath. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning with all these different instruments. No one person can play these. So it's a very corporate experience of this worshiping God, of people gathering together to do it. And your singing in that is very significant. Yours personally, you, your singing together with us is significant. Why? Because you were made for this. It's, it's good. This is what we were made for. When God created the world, he looked at his creation when it was all perfect and said, it's good. And that goodness was people connected, being gathered, worshiping God joyfully. This is our purpose in the future. This is what we will do. When we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we will spend eternity gathered together worshiping God. Your singing now is significant together because this is what you were made for. We were made to glorify God, to see and enjoy God together with others. This is our past, and this is your future if you're a Christian. This is what you will do. If that doesn't excite you, if that doesn't interest you, you might miss what you were called for which you were glorified to, to glorify god to this is what we will we will do we will gather and sing praises and give thanks to god it, it, it's corporate there's there's many people involved in psalm 92 in this praising and worshiping of god but but this your your singing is significant because you're, you're made for this because in singing it, it awakes us to god in a unique way that that the god intended that we can't explain any other way so all through the psalms it's about it is it, singing this is what we remember these are the moments that, that, that we remember and it's significant because this is how god created us and some way made us to be this way it's significance because you were made for this you were made to glorify god together and praise and worship and it's see, you're singing significant because you make much of god through this thing we do together when we sing. It says, It's good to give thanks, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. The middle of this psalm in verse 8 says, But you, O Lord, are on high forever. It's like the tipping point of this psalm. It's, it's making much about the God who is high, who's ultimate. We're declaring God's character that, 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 that this is, I'm going to make much of God, I'm going to praise God, I'm gonna, and I'm going to do it for his steadfast love in the mornings and for his faithfulness at night. I'm just going to do it, I'm going to just praise him all the time. When I get up in the morning, I'm going to wake up with my eyes, and I, I, I'm just going to love God that he woke me up again. And then when I go to bed, no matter if everything I got done, that I wanted to get done or done or not, what God wanted to get done was done. And so I'm going to thank God for his faithfulness and we just do this repeatedly we praise him all the time and we declare god's character and it this it's makes much of god through singing by deepening our joy it says for you O lord have made me glad by your work it's not our works that make us glad it's god's works through us and at the work of your hands i sing for joy and this is why we don't sing sometimes and christians not us christians Sometimes don't sing. It's because we have lost how we make ourselves happy in God. For you, O Lord, have made me glad. By your works and the work of your hands, I sing for joy. How how do you deepen yourself in the joy of God? Verse 5 says, how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. The, the stupid man can't know them. The, the brutish man. The natural man. He, he can't know how great are your works, O oh Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. We, we need to deepen our joy in God. How do you do that? One way is you just you, you, you pause to consider who God is. We rush and we don't pause. We, we, we pause to consider who god is how, how deep are your thoughts this is deeper this is unfathomable deepness how, how great god is the, god is the ultimate on high and how unfathomably deep it is we can't understand how god works in our own lives we can't even understand how god works in creation can we i mean how is it that monarch butterflies can all make it down to mexico every year and migrate to the same place every single year, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of them? Is this some random thing that just all of a sudden just exploded and some ignorant little amoeba just kind of blew up and every year because of that, this beautiful thing, the monarch butterflies, every year goes down to Mexico City and and, and populates? How is it? Explain the great works of God, the the, the deep thoughts of God. Like a seahorse. What is this thing? Why does this thing exist? It's a, man, it's a fish with a head. It's got, I mean, you know what? For this fish right here, this, this, this seahorse, when I was reading the article about finding this picture, multitudes of scientists got together to study that one animal itself and figure out what it does, how it works. Is this some random accident that just blew up and so we have seahorses now that are floating around? The deep things of God that we don't even know. He is exalted on high. So much of his wisdom, we do not even get to see. So how do you make yourself happy in God? You, you consider his works. The amazing thing I look at my world and it doesn't seem happy. I got all these struggles. Expanding our brains and our minds on how the greatness of God is. This picture is the underside of a beetle's foot. Who sees that? the microscopic beauty and design of God, that we crush beetles. God sees everything. And on the bottom of a beetle's foot, he put an intricate design. You put a little color into it, and it's beautiful. These are the deep things of God. We make much of God by, through his singing, by developing, declaring God's character, and then by deepening our joy to do this. But this is hard, so how do we do this? The way we keep coming back to this is we have to continue in the basics. If you have talked to me with any issue in the last five years, I've said to you, what you need is to know the love of God. Grasp the love of God. Understand the love of God. The more you know the love of God, the greater your joy in God is going to be. And I've probably told you about a little thing called a gospel primer. And in this gospel primer, every day it's meant, it shares the gospel of good news in, in book form. It talks about the basics of what you need to know is created so that you could read it every day, pick it up, read a little description with all the text of where they get this from, and help us. And someone has donated them for us. So after the service today, everybody can walk out of here with a gospel primer to help you every day for the next 14 days. Get up in the morning, read this, and make yourself glad in, in God so you can make much of God through singing it. it starts out with this. My, my God is immense beyond imagination. He measured the entire universe with merely the span of his hand. He is unimaginably awesome in all of his perfections, absolutely righteous, holy, and just in all of his ways. He has also been unbelievable. Unbelievably good and merciful to me as the creator and sustainer of my life. Every breath, every heartbeat, every function of every organ in my body is a gift from Him. Every legitimate pleasure I experience is a gift from His loving hand to me. All that I am and all that I have, I owe to Him and to His goodness. My life in every way is and will continue to be utterly dependent on Him in whom I live and move and have my being. This wonderful God is the most supremely, worthy object of admiration honor and delight in all of the universe and he has created me with the intention that i might glorify him by finding my soul's delight in him and by living in joyful obedience to him all of my days and then it goes to talk about our sin and how god restored it and every statement is backed up with scripture and as you read this and as you would take it and challenge you to pick it up start your day read it sometime during work at lunch, even before you go to bed, and let it stir you to deepen your joy in God because your singing is significant. It's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to his name, to declare his steadfast love in the morning and his faithfulness by night. But your singing is significant for those reasons, but secondly, your singing is significant because it strengthens faith. When you come in here on a Sunday morning, after a long week, for many of you, if we're honest, we would say, we've got some clogs. We're, we're a little clogged up. We need to get some things unclogged. We're, we're not clear about everything that's going on in our life or what happened that week. And there's chaos. Why? Why? Because there's chaos and confusion that exists in a broken world, which is what he's talking about here. How, how great are your work, O Lord? Your thoughts are deep. The stupid man can't know them. The fool can't understand them. The, 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 that Though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. Someone has said that you should read Psalm 92 and Psalm ninety-three or Psalm 73. Together, Psalm 73 is a psalm written by Asaph, who was one of the worshippers of the nation of Israel. He would lead and write a number of worship songs for the people of God to sing. And then he wrote Psalm 73, which is saying this struggle with the complexity and the chaos and the confusion that exists in the wo- this broken world. He starts out in Psalm 73 and he says, and says, w- w- what's going on, God? He makes a statement That says, truly God is good in Israel to those who are pure in heart. He makes this creedal statement. This is truth. This is what I know. But that's not how I feel. Because then he goes on to say, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant. I I was wondering, how come the guy next to me at work gets the raise? How come I'm a follower of Jesus and I take the pay cut? How come I get laid off? How come it seems like they got the nicest car? They got the good stuff. And he he struggles with this all through this psalm and he struggles with the chaos and confusion of it, but he makes this creedal statement. Then he says there's all these crises and then he does something in Psalm 73 that changes everything. In verse 17 he says, and he goes, when I thought this way, before that, when I, when I was thinking these things about life, I was like a fool. I was like an animal. I was like a donkey, which is the same thing it says here the stupid man, the brutish man, the person like an animal. The, the, they can't understand these things. How is it that people flourish and then they, and they don't? And the, and the people who are following God don't seem to flourish. And he started to think that way. And he started to get confused. And it was a Thursday at work. And he's like, I'm not going to church. And this jerk just got a better parking spot than I did. I'm done with God. And then he woke up on Sunday morning and he thought, hmm, the kids are going, the wife's going. I guess I'll go. In verse 17, he says, When I thought this way, it seemed like a wearisome task. Better just to stay home and cuddle up in bed on Sunday. Until. I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them on slippery places. And he closes it with, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. What unclogged Asaph, the worshiper of God, was gathering with the people of God, to sing the praises of God, and he had his whole view turned around. He 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 thought the world looks like chaos. Some people flourish and some people don't. This is so random. It's not fair. And then he remembered. No, it's not random. God created this. Things aren't random. Things aren't random in my life. Even though they're difficult, they're not random. It may seem like that, but for the Christian, I know it's not random. Romans 8 says what happens to us is not random. This is, there is an actual reason, and it's regarding your good if you're in Christ. So the struggle's real, but it's not random. So your strength, you, you gathering and him gathering together with the people of God, changed his whole perspective from making him act like a fool to recognizing who his God is and giving him the help that he needs. Alistair Begg, who tells a great story, one of the greatest little side rants I've ever heard. He, he, he said, I was in California one day and visiting a church, and he said, I woke up went to the early service. He goes, I got to the service, and it was one of these really cool services, you know, and everything, they had the smoke and everything was kicking around really well, and he goes, I, I just drug in, it was 8 o'clock in the morning, and the worship guy gets up there, and he goes, you know, cranked up the music, and he says, how do you feel? And Alistair Begg says, what do you mean, how do I feel? I just woke up 15 minutes ago. Uh, I'm ticked off at my wife uh, anyway. Uh, I was mad at the dog. And, and, and you're asking me how I feel? He goes, don't, don't ask me how I feel. Tell me what I need to know. Tell me what I need to know. That's what you need on a Sunday morning. Well, That's why I've always said anybody that leads worship here, never ask us how we feel. Say, hey, this is what God said. That's why I start with scripture every time I start up here. This is, we need to hear from God because your, strength, your singing will strengthen faith. Singing turns and tunes our hearts together for God because the world is complex. I, I, I just read an article last night that came in late, like 10 o'clock at night. I got this blog. It was actually on singing, and there was a worship leader, and he said this, to this point, the most powerful leaders of congregational worship are almost always found in the pews. It's you. It's the expectant mother who suffered a devastating miscarriage the day before, but through tears sings out, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. It's the young professional who, because of his Christian convictions on sexuality, was fired from his dream job on Friday, but who arrives on Sunday and belts it out. How firm a foundation, you saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in this excellent work. It's the divorced woman battling loneliness and depression who declares, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him, or nor It's a 76-year-old husband and wife who recently buried their youngest daughter and two granddaughters, but still sit in the second row, On Sunday morning, as they have for the past 40 years, and they cry out, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me, so he will hold me fast. That's not a blog post. I could have wrote that. Your singing as a church strengthens faith, because I've seen it here. It happens. You know it's happened. It doesn't matter if it's a video or a keyboard player or a band or a cappella. It's happened. And you've been encouraged by it. In Colossians, sing, sing to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your hearts to the Lord. I, I see it happen. I don't always get to see it happen on Sundays because I sit up front, but on Wednesday nights when I, I see it happen quite all, regularly. Some people walking in here on Wednesday night to pray for you who have been beat up all day at work or halfway through the week, and they come dragging in, and they, and they get here, and we read a psalm, we start to pray, We sing. And they're not feeling it. We're not feeling it. they got all these things going on. And then someone will stand up, and I've I've seen it, will sing, never once, look just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory was your power in us, scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say, never once, did we ever walk alone? Never once did you leave us on our own? You're faithful, God. You're faithful. I've seen people's lives changed by that song. Not feeling it, but in that moment, they sing it. And when they sing it, I see them singing it. And I know what they're going through. And then I worship and I sing. Because your singing strengthens faith for other people. We're stronger. There is love that came for us humbled by a sinner's cross, you broke my shame and sinfulness, you rose again victorious, faithfulness, none can deny through the storm and through the fire there is truth that sets me free, Jesus Christ who lives in me, you're stronger, you're stronger, and I've seen people, even on Sunday mornings, who you've sat there, you didn't feel stronger, but as you sang that, you realized God's stronger, other people heard you sing it, and you affected somebody else, and you strengthened your faith, and they said, I can go on, because if he can sing that, or if she can sing that, There's truth. Behold our God, who has held the oceans in his hands, who's numbered every grain of sand. Kings and nations tremble at his voice. All creations rise to rejoice. Behold our God, seated on his throne. Come, let us adore him. Behold our king. Nothing can compare. Come, let us adore him. And I've seen it where people have had struggles with adoring God. They're going through all kinds of difficulties, but they stand and they sing that and you've seen them and you know what they're going through and as they sing it as you hear them sing it it strengthens your faith your singing is significant your singing strengthens others people's faith because it's a complex world we're all living in with great brokenness corporate worship saves people's lives it saves marriages It it saves teenagers. Your singing is significant no matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter. It's a joyful noise that's to be done for God's glory, but singing can be silenced real quickly. It says in Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar was a guy who thought he had everything, and God says, if you keep, you're proud, it's all going to go away. And it was taken away from him. He became like a brute beast because he had no gratitude. Psalm 92 says, it's good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, to give thanks, gratitude. Gratitude always goes with a song. It, it, songs don't always go with gratitude, though. If there's true gratitude, there's going to be a song. The Cubs win. What's everybody do? Go, Cubs, go. Great gratitude. When there is not, you know, but, but, but a great song does not produce gratitude. I was watching the 50-year uh, documentary from CNN on Woodstock from trying to get the fifty year revolu- uh, 50th anniversary of Woodstock. And they were trying to get it back. And they are trying to figure out how they can do this again. And they were interviewing all these people from 50 years ago who are now 70, you know. And they're all just trying to relive the moment. Relive Woodstock, you know. Anybody there? Um, uh, relive Stephanie, go. Uh, were you Really? wow, Um, living the day, and they're trying to rework it, that explains a lot, Um, (laughs) they're trying to relive the moment, and what they interviewed these people, they said this, they enter these young people, like, they're, they're trying to, all these, after Woodstock, all these, these band conferences, you know, these big, these big celebrations of music came across the world. Everybody's looking, they're looking for that, that, that moment. They're looking for that Woodstock moment for themselves. And the interviewer asks these young people, You think that could happen today? You think that moment could happen today? They said, We're looking for a song. Yeah, we think, we, we think it could happen. We think a song could do that. But a song's never going to do that for them. What, what, what they need is a savior. He says, Behold your enemies, O Lord, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. Which means a song can be silenced. And even amongst Christians, if you start to fade, you start to lose your praise, lose your thanks, your thinking's going to be wrong. And, and it can be silenced. But your singing is a spiritual service. He says, The righteous flourish like palm trees, and they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. We need you to sing. and We need you to keep singing, because your singing is spiritual service. And it's done by planted people. They're planted in the house of God. Not always because they feel it. Not always because there isn't something else they could be doing. But they 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 see the importance of praise and worship again. They're planted, and they're just like they're like palm trees that are just unbreakable. The world hits them, but they they just they're they're being planted, and they're productive. They still bear fruit into old age. They're full of sap and green. There are are just, there are a ton of people in our culture. Former church people. They're not going to church anymore. They're not gathering together. Older people who taught and learned and did all these things, and now they're They're not. And the rise of loneliness in our culture is over the top. People, uh, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know why I'm lonely. And the purpose is for Christians to be planted, to be productive, because we are people of promise. Jesus saying in Matthew chapter 26, verse 30 and 32, he said, he says, now they were eating, Jesus took bread. Right before he died, he said, they're eating, and after blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he was given thanks to them, he said, this drink, all of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for you. They had communion together, and he said, this is what's going to happen. And when they, and they were done, it says in verse 30, and when he, they had sung a hymn with his disciples, they went out to the mountains of Olives, and then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. This is our hope. Our hope is that Jesus is our rock. When we're not faithful, God's always faithful. You go through a rough week, and you haven't been faithful, God's still not changed one bit for you. He's still been faithful. He even knows you're going to have rough weeks, and he's still faithful. They sang together, and Jesus says, you're all going to walk away from me, but I'm not going to walk away from you. And he didn't, because he's our rock, and he's our deliverer, and he is our strength, and there is no unrighteousness in him, and he makes us glad. So sing. Sing together. Pray is a church that we will, God will bring the worship leader and musicians that we need. Keep pumping up the volume as we sing together. We sing. I love hearing us sing. True worship is when the congregation can hear each other sing. And then keep putting your hope in Jesus, who's our rock and our redeemer.